You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, it's another good day. I know we were all hoping and praying that the, uh, the Saints would end up losing to the Vikings. But at the same time, this was clearly a win-win game. And um, best case scenario would be the Vikings annihilate the Saints. Because not only does that uh, remove them from contention from our number one seed. One of the things I mentioned when I did my review of all the, um, the playoff teams was that the Saints are a team you got to keep an eye on. Because if they really start to step it up, you get worried. So if they had gotten annihilated, and we can talk about the defense, I suppose, but that would have really helped a bit. The biggest concern, though, was the defense seems to be stepping up. Again, we can talk about that. But we don't want the offense to also start begin to, you know, catch back up with Breeze, and then they drop 50 points. So that's a bit concerning. However, if that's going to happen... Absolute next best case scenario is that the Vikings not only are the team that get annihilated, but there are several records broken, at least, you know, maybe not all time records, but, you know, when they mention it on the broadcast and they start talking about the last time since the 40s, you know, that's not bad. On top of that, it's a game in which the Vikings are annihilated and completely eliminated from the playoffs. And so this is how they go out, right? This is this is the last chance everything's on the line, give it all you got, last gasp, you know, this is this is a playoff game, right? If, if we're really a playoff team, if this is real, if we're starting to find our stride, our defense is really starting to improve and our offense is getting into its groove, we got Cook, we got Justin Jefferson, we got Thielen, we got Cousins, we got all these guys starting to step up, our offensive line is getting better, this defense is starting to find its groove, blah, blah, blah. If this is real, it's a long shot, Let's see if we can put these guys away and get into the playoffs, and this is how it ends. Now, granted, they still have one more game, which is unfortunate. I wish their season ended with a game like this. However, I will take it, because this is as brutal and demoralizing as it could possibly get. Because this is sort of, if we go back to the tanking discussion, this is the biggest argument against it. Now, I don't just mean, again, I've talked about how you don't tank at a coaching and, and player level generally, although you could. But the biggest reason you don't want to do that is the morale, right? Coaches don't want to get fired. I mean, if they happen to get brought into the fold of, hey, listen, uh, we want to keep you around, but these guys are terrible, we're going to tank, cool. There's some um, potential that the Jaguars are doing that. But you don't want your players to be so demoralized that you get a slightly better player, maybe. I mean, if we're not talking about the number one overall pick, we're talking about the number seven or something, you know, between seven and 12, eh, maybe. But you don't want your guys to be completely demoralized. You don't want to leave this season saying we are pathetic and um, 
kudos to the Vikings head coach who decided to use this as an opportunity rather than to say, look, this isn't our year. We got beaten down badly. We've got some young, promising, talented guys on this team. We just simply didn't have what it took. We didn't have enough left in the tank to finish out this season. We're going to come back strong next year. We're going to dominate the NFL. He had a great opportunity to end the season on a high, to get his young talent motivated. Daniil Hunter, by the way, is still a young guy. He's coming back. All these corners are brand spanking new, and some of them are extremely promising. If you look at the last four weeks, not this week included, because the grades I don't even think are out yet, but either way, the second highest graded corner in all of football is Cam Dantzler, the Vikings' third round pick. It's been very up and down, but he had a 93 overall grade against Jacksonville. Seven targets, one reception for three yards, negative one yard after the catch, meaning he caught it four yards down the field, ended up gaining three yards on the play thanks to Cam, and there were... uh, One interception also on this, so he had a zero passer rating when targeted. Then against Chicago, he had a uh, 90.7 overall grade, five targets, four receptions, 30 yards, and a pick, 52.1 overall passer rating when targeted. Despite the real bad start to the season, he didn't even have a competent day until week 11 against Dallas. Still very up and down. He had an elite, elite week 13, bad week 14, elite week 15, but... It's starting to come together for Mr. Cam Dantzler. Similar to what I said about Darnell Savage, it may be a little bit fluky to get elite grades, but there are some guys that just can't perform this well. And when you do it, that means something, and you deserve credit for it. When you're able to do it more than once, as Cam did twice in the last three weeks, there's something there. So again, it's, it's not perfect, and, and he's basically the only one, right? Uh, Cam Dantzler, and then after that, you got Harrison Hand at 53rd overall. Um, you got Jeff Gladney, the guy that you really want to do well over the last four weeks, 123rd. But still, it, it, okay, so we got at least one corner out of this group, we can assume by the time we come back, possibly more. We've got Daniil Hunter coming back. we got Michael Pierce coming back. This offense is pretty good. I know Kirk Cousins, you know, there's a lot of times when that ball is just a bit outside and the guys get frustrated with him or whatever, but... Again, there was a real opportunity. And, and everybody even acknowledges this. Packer fans, Bears fans, Lions fans, they know the Lions are going to be a better team next year. The only thing that Mike Zimmer needed to do in this situation is to not completely throw all his guys under the bus, and he decided to do that. He said, this is the worst defense I've ever played with. Took no no blame on himself whatsoever. And, and, and listen, I don't even think he deserves that much blame. You don't have any players, dude. You got rid of all your players. Your linebackers are getting old. Your safeties are getting old. Like, the elite talent is either gone or old. Everson Griffin is gone and old. Michael Pierce is gone if and, and old. Daniil Hunter is gone. Barr and Kendricks are getting old. Harrison Smith, by far, I mean, this is his worst year probably ever. If you look at his grades and whatnot, um, he's been pretty close. He's kind of he's kind of up and down. So 2015, 85. So if we start at 2015, 85, 75, 91, 79, 88, 74. So elite to borderline elite, down to like good. But still, 74.4 is his grade. This is the lowest grade he's ever had, uh, with the exception of 2013 when he didn't play a full season. Maybe because he's 32 years old. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Just a thought. He's getting old, man. And, and look, next year's supposed to be his bounce-back year. I'll, I'll give him that because he's going to get all those pieces back and he's still got some talent. He'll probably be a little bit better, maybe. But I think we're getting to the point when we start talking 32, 33 years old, 
that you don't necessarily start to expect bounce back years. Anthony Harris. I mean, they just signed the guy. You think, well, he's still young. Um, nope. He's he's 29. He'll be 30 next year. And um, this, I mean, similarly, the absolute worst he's ever been. In 2017, 75 overall. Didn't play all that often. Then he started getting more snaps in 2018. Got an 89 overall grade. 2019, he was a starter again, 91. So two years of being a starter, he was elite both years. This year, 66.6. Completely fell off. And again, 30 next year. So, I mean, I I don't think anybody deserved to be thrown under the bus, including Zimmer. But if he's going to go around kicking his own players under the bus, that's pathetic. And the bigger issue is you've got kind of a narrow window here. Because at the same time that we've got some promising talent, by the time these guys start to get up to speed, you're going to be losing a lot more than you're gaining. This is where, by the way, when when I do mock drafts and when I start talking about things and, and looking at fixing the future and not the past, this is why it's important, right? If the Vikings had drafted safeties and linebackers, people would have lost their mind because why do you need to do that? Now, they have, but it's, it's one of those things that annoys people because it's like, we, we need offensive linemen. We need this. We need that. We don't need a linebacker. We've got two linebackers. The problem is starting very, very soon, we don't have linebackers or safeties. So drafting in positions of strength actually makes sense. Because the future is coming whether you like it or not. And right now, again, they're sitting in a position where I I expect them to be better next year. But it's kind of similar to the Bears where, you know, as they look to how do we improve this, a lot of their strengths are going to be going bye-bye. And so keeping that fire stoked underneath the talent is important. That's why corner is extremely important for the Packers. Jair and what again? Offensive line. Even if, you know, we're keeping Billy and all that stuff, I mean, it's starting to go. We lost Balaga. We may be losing Lindsley. And this is already after we lost a bunch of guys. I mean, we had a ton of talent on the interior offensive line and whatnot, and they're all just gone. These guys have been leaving left and right. Packers have done a good enough job of, of finding replacements. But I'm just, I'm just, I mean, that's that's pathetic. I mean, it's a guy that has just no control over his emotions. He's he's massively prideful human being. We've seen the pettiness with him not shaking Matt Lafleur's hand. And, uh, you know, he has one bad year, which I think everybody would give him a pass on if if he just wasn't a jerk about it. And again, he's, he, he decided to end the season, essentially, by by trashing his own team. And, and don't think that's not going to carry over into next year, because the players that you're calling one... He said this is one of the worst def- or maybe the worst defense he's ever played for, or, or coached, or whatever. I forget the exact phrasing, but it certainly took him out of the equation. It's just basically it sounded like, and I'm sure he'll clarify it once he calms down, even though it's what he meant. The sound of it was, these players are the worst group of defensive players I've ever seen. These guys are your, it's your defense, dude. What are you, you going to replace everybody over the offseason? That's not going to happen. So these same guys that you called trash are coming back next year. What a garbage thing to do. I don't get it, man. I mean, seriously, when you got Packers, Bears, Lions, everybody, every other kind of fan looking at the comment going, dude, what is that? That's a little out of line. That's crazy. Rival fans are telling the coach he's out of line talking about his own team. It's just unbelievable to me. But anyways, we'll see how that plays out. Um, there's a lot of time between now and when the next season stokes up, and we'll have a lot of time to analyze that. And I kind of want to talk about analyzing the season prior to the season. Um, I want to brag a little bit. I tried this morning as I was waiting for the coffee to brew to go back and find things. I found an episode that was labeled, uh, the Packers are clearly the best team in the NFC North. That was done in like April or something. 
But um, apparently that was what I said at the very end of the episode. I didn't get to it, and I need to get started. I got a lot of stuff to do. Anyways, um, I'm going to take a minute to, to halfway brag. But it's not even... My recollection of what I had said in terms of why I thought the Packers were the best team in the NFC North, I don't think it was a brilliant insight. I'm leg- and people are posting stuff on Twitter of you know NFL and ESPN and all these different organizations who said the Vikings were going to be the best in the North and all these different predictions. And I re- vaguely remember hearing different things. People saying they thought the Packers would be fourth, maybe third in the NFC North. And I'm not opposed to, to having different opinions, and I'm not trying to just dunk on people. I think that happens far too often where people have fairly reasonable takes, and I, I think that's one of the fun things about it. I'm excited about the NFL draft because I get to have I'm excited about my bad takes. I'm I'm all in on like jumping on a train, but I really like it when I really like a guy that other people are like, man, eh, I don't really see it. It I mean, it makes me want to go crazy. Like, how do you not just look at it? You're making me nuts that you don't see what I'm seeing. But it's kind of cool to have my guy, KJ Hamler, Raekwon, right? I that's that is my favorite part of the draft outside of you know daydreaming for the Packers and all that kind of stuff. But I, I just I, my recollection again was how. How do we come to this conclusion? I Listen, my general thought is when you ask the question, who is going to win a particular division, you start with the exact same order it was last year and you go from there, right? If the Bears won the division, which they didn't last year, but they did bef- the year before. So, so when I was asked about it, I said, well, I'll, 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 say, I'll give the Bears the credit that they're due. They won. I'm going to say they're kings of the north until somebody can come out and prove that that's not the case anymore. I think that's fair. There's nothing wrong with saying, yeah, but I think this and that and this changed, and therefore, okay, that's fine. But again, you start from the standpoint of the Packers are the kings of the North because they went 13-3, and went to the NFC Championship game. You move from there. I'd never understood the thought process that said the Packers would be third in the division, the, the Vikings, maybe the Bears would be one or two. And again, I, I, I had spent several episodes, and if you listen to the podcast for a while, you remember, I, I, I'm just baffled. The Vikings clearly got worse. The Packers got no worse. In no area, anywhere, did the Packers get worse. And again, people talk about, well, they were a fraudulent team and they're going to regress. That's possible, but we already know the Vikings are going to regress. And I, I laid that out. Similar to the Bears, you've got multiple people playing at a level they've never played before. You've got a linebacker that's number one in the NFL that PFF has always said is average. Yeah, I think he's going to regress. Then you add in losing, you know, Denise, and even before that, you lost Everson Griffin. Well, that doesn't matter. Everson's not that good. Eh, he contributed. He maybe wasn't the best in the world, but it would kind of be like if there was no Rashawn and it was just Zadarius and Preston, and Preston went away. I'm not saying Preston's the best pass rusher in the world, but we're in a lot of trouble if it's just Zadarius and whoever it is, Randy Ramsey or whoever's behind, I don't even know. We'd be in a little bit of trouble. Same with the, the Vikings. It does matter, and the, oh, it doesn't matter. Also lost Linval Jones. He was all, he was washed. The Vikings did the same thing that Bears fans did to guys like Brian Urlacher, which I'll never understand. Julius Peppers, same thing. Ha ha, he's gone. Your team is worse now. No, if anything, we're better. That guy's washed up. You're an idiot. He's not in his prime. But you are not a better team because he's gone. You lost Everson Griffin and Linval Joseph before we even got to the part about losing Everson Griffin. You lost all, repeat, all of your starting cornerbacks, gone, gone. Stephon Diggs, gone. And we had people saying the Vikings would get better and the Packers would get worse. 
It is so beyond anything that could be considered rational, it's laughable. The Bears. How did the Bears get any better in any capacity whatsoever? They didn't. They're clearly a team that is on a slide. And the question is, did they do anything to stop the slide and, and, and improve? And, and again, no. The only thing that would matter is, is Nick Foles going to come in and be the guy? Or is Trubisky going to magically become the guy? If the answer to those questions isn't a resounding yes, then it's the same old story. And there's no reason to believe either of those things would happen. And then the Lions are just the Lions, and if anything, I was higher on the Lions than anybody else. So why exactly are we looking at the Packers saying they're not going to do it? Well, I mean, they they were a fraudulent team, and, and they didn't really do much in the draft. Listen to me, dummy. You don't get worse because you didn't get better in the draft. That's not how that works. You drafted a quarterback, and he's not even going to play, so you're worse. No, pff, wha- What? Why? Is he spiking the drinks on the sideline? How is he making us worse? Oh, A.J. Dillon, you don't need a running back. Now, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Again, even if, if there was no draft, if the Packers got caught doing some kind of illicit activity, and they're like, you know what, you don't get a draft, they still don't get worse. That's not how that works. They're the same team that went 13-3 and and went to the NFC Championship game. And I just I just don't understand. And, and again, things are definitely better than I had expected. I touched on the possibility that this was going to happen. Right, I did the whole thing where you look back at teams, specifically you look at the Denver Broncos back in the 90s when um, Shanahan took over, not Kyle, Mike, and John Elway had just this massive resurgence, and I said, this could possibly happen for Aaron Rodgers. But, but even disregarding all of that, I don't think there was ever any real evidence that the Packers would be worse than these other teams. There was no evidence of this massive resurgence of the Vikings, the Bears, or the Lions. And there was no reason to believe that the Packers would be worse, even if you're saying that they're frauds. Because they're frauds that found a way to win 13 games. Who's to say they can't still find the way to win the same way? You mean that some games were closer than you feel like they should have been, but they still found a way to win, largely because of a very good defense and an offense that could overcome certain things? Why does that go away? And again, I even at my most pessimistic, I mentioned the possibility that if the offense didn't improve, and we saw regression from Zadarius and Preston, which I said would happen, and it has... Even if that happens, the Packers are regressing at the same time the Vikings are regressing and the Bears are regressing and the Lions are maybe not regressing but are still the same garbage Lions. Even worst case scenario for the Packers, I still think it's a a three-way race, four-way race. It just means they get dropped into the pile of garbage like everybody else. And this this is where I need to just kind of let some things go because there's different kinds of people. There are people that are like me that are Packers, Bears, Lions, Jaguars, doesn't matter kind of fans that really just want to know what the truth is. Then you got fans that just want to say stupid stuff, right? Like like in on the YouTube that I do. It doesn't matter who I draft. You know, I, I drafted a running back for, for Washington, and they're like, are you kidding me? Have you never heard of this guy? Half of the comments when they say, have you never heard of this guy? Literally, I have not. Somebody There was somebody listed a guy named Curl, C-U-R-L. Oh, I guess you've never heard of Curl. Dude, literally. Literally, I've never heard of Curl. I don't even remember what his first name was. But this is this is what fans do, and, and just a certain type of fan. Fans that just refuse to, and they must hate the draft, just in general, because drafting a player is an indictment on a current player, and that just drives them crazy. How dare you? How dare you say that we don't have a perfect team as we won four games this year? And this is a lot of what we saw with, I think, a lot of that stuff. None of it's rational. None of it makes any sense. There's not a lot of thought that actually went into this stuff. But I, I still don't understand how the media narrative picked up on the Vikings are going to win the division. I, I st- to this day, I would love to know what, just tell me the thought process. 
run me through it real quick. How do, so, okay, so the Packers get worse somehow, even though there's no reason for it. Nobody's leaving. We got the same guys. We did lose Balaga, which is scary, but we made do with the best offensive line in football. We figured it out. So, so they don't win a lot of these close games. All right, so they win, what, nine games, ten games maybe? But explain the Vikings' resurgence. You didn't just lose players. You lost massively key players and an entire position unit. Just all your corners are just gone. And then key players, again, like Hunter and Griffin and uh, Linval Joseph and Stefan Diggs. Does any, just, just message me if you remember an, an argument that made sense for the Vikings. Because I'm just curious at this point. I don't get it. It's actually kind of funny because when I started this podcast, one of the things I thought is, I don't know if I'm going to be any good at this, but having listened to a bunch of other podcasts, I know I'm better than those people. People making lots and lots and lots of money said that the Vikings would win the division. Yeah, I can do this. I can do this. That's the standard? That's that's the standard? You can just say whatever you want, no matter how stupid it is, and then it just gets swept under the rug later? And then what, when somebody quote tweets a stupid take, I just block them, and then I just move on? This is, this is great. This is fantastic. I can absolutely do this. So, look, what I said before is what I'm going to continue to say. The Packers are not only the best team in the division, they have the brightest future in the division. Now, if you want to look past Aaron Rodgers, yeah, okay, I don't know where to go with that because there's no Stafford, there's no Cousins, there's no Trubisky, there's no Foles. Maybe there's a Trubisky. We'll see how that plays out. But I mean, if we don't have a quarterback, neither do you. I can't project three, four years into the future. I don't know what's going to happen. But looking at the youth, looking at the talent, looking at how players are ascending instead of descending looking at the fact that the Packers are winning, looking at the coaching, looking at all these different factors. I, I just, I, I don't know where else to take the information. We know it's not the Lions. They just fired everybody, right? The Vikings are getting some players back, but they're losing some players. The, the, the Bears are just on a slide, and they're making no effort to, to fix anything. They don't know how. The only thing Pace knows how to do is go out in free agency and pay people, which that's great if you're a fan and you just think that that's how you build teams. But um, unfortunately for you, as you're learning, sir, that's not actually how you build teams. Interesting little side note as I'm staring at this PFF thing. Um, I was looking at the safeties to see where Minnesota was, and I don't have the filter on. There are actually um, three safeties in the top 12 for the uh, for the Green Bay Packers, and that's because Adrian Amos is 12th. Um, Darnell Savage is fourth. Vernon Scott is the second highest graded safety of the last four weeks. They only played 25 snaps, but it's worth noting because um, it's kind of cool that, again, there's three of them. Something to keep an eye on with, with Vernon. I'm, I'm not super optimistic, but, I mean, who am I, to, who am I to doubt, I guess, considering some of the guys that we get and where they came from. Uh, he had, did have two really good games this year so far, one of them being against Detroit, 90.3 overall grade. Um, the rest has been not as great, though. Still funny. Anyways, I just thought uh, this would be an appropriate time to reestablish, reestablish that the Packers are still dominant, which has got to be annoying. Um, I don't know the media's angle on this, but I can understand if you are an, a fan of a team in the NFC North that is not the Green Bay Packers, why you would just be almost to a point of saying anybody but the Packers. Like, I, if we can't win the division, I at least want to sit around and mock Packer fans for, like, a year. And it really looked like it was about to happen, and then just with a couple little GM maneuvers, you know, because we have a competent GM, unlike everybody else in the league for the most part, still don't understand the, the, the Gutekunst hate, as though it's so easy to just 
pick a team up and, and make it the best, one of the best in the NFL as it's completely falling apart. Okay, well then we'll look forward to the Bears fixing this just by tomorrow. Anyways, um, looked like they were slipping into obscurity and then boom, right back on top. And, and, and I've said this before, one of the things that's really got to be annoying is maybe the most important thing is having a great coach and GM duo. Because as much as you look at it and say, well, it's all Aaron Rodgers, okay, but there's a guy that knows how to build rosters really, really well. They know how to evaluate talent really, really well. And you have a head coach that is very, very good at, at um, getting the most out of talent. And the other thing that's that's got to be upsetting to some degree, and, and granted, I have no expectation of Jordan Love being Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest of all time, but this is a offensive scheme in the NFL that does not require a ton from quarterbacks. Remember when Matt LaFleur was over with the Rams, Jared Goff looked like a pretty decent quarterback. Matt Ryan with with uh, with Matt LaFleur was the best in the NFL that year that he was his quarterback coach. So again, even if Matt, uh, Jordan Love is good, not great, he has a potential to be great in this particular system. And if you think scheme and system doesn't mean anything, look at Ryan Tannehill. Which, by the way, if we're saying that it was uh, Adam Gase that ruined Ryan Tannehill, who is it that wants to swoop up Sam Darnold when he gets uh, thrown to the curb? Because who's to say this isn't going to be a top five quarterback in a couple years when somebody puts him on a team that's actually competent? You know, good offensive line, good receivers, and a scheme that doesn't suck. I think there's a lot of potential there. I wasn't even a fan of Darnold. That just kind of clicked in my brain. Maybe shouldn't give up on that guy. Um, you know, just a thought. Anyways, why don't we take a break right here? Um, on the other side of things, we'll start looking a little bit more at the Packers-Titans, and then we'll call it a day. So we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now... Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Why don't we start off with the old injury report, looking at the Tennessee Titans now. Um, looks like pretty much everybody's good to go, with the exception of Derek Roberson. Um, it's just, it's a healthy team, man. I don't know what else to tell you. On the Packers side, um, as you know, Jay Sternberger is out. Simon Stepniak is doubtful, as is Mr. Jamal Williams. Uh, Will Redmond also is out. A couple of these things do raise some questions. First of all, we have to assume that with Will Redmond out, Vernon Scott is going to get a chance. So I mentioned him playing very, very well. There may be an opportunity for him to really step up in this game. The five safeties that have played for the Packers are Will Redmond out, Raven Green out, Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage, and Vernon Scott. Vernon Scott, when he has played, has largely been a strong safety. His tackling has been largely on point, uh, with the exception of a couple really bad games. But that's probably going to be his thing. In fact, if you look at his snap counts, although it's been distributed pretty widely, um, of his 62 snaps, 30 have been inside the box. And this is for the entire season, not just the last four weeks. Um, outside of that, the next most was at free safety. After that, you've got slot corner. Actually, a decent chunk has come in the slot. So he's a pretty versatile guy. They move him around a lot. But that is my thought, right? You know, we're looking for, okay, who's, who's the guy like Raven Green that's going to step up in the box? And it looks like that guy's going to be Vernon Scott. Now, the, the other question is, what is our comfort level with that? Because if we're talking about getting the best 11 on the field, and we assume Raven Green is really good, or possibly Will Redmond is decent, when you get down to the level of Vernon Scott, do we just throw a linebacker out there? Do we see more Vernon Scott, or do we see more Ty Summers, or you know Kamal and Kirksey, or obviously Chris Barnes, which is actually probably the answer, because Chris Barnes is right now the second most used linebacker that we have. So maybe that would be the answer. Something interesting to keep in mind. As far as the Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon conversation, um, does seem like A.J. Dillon's going to be the guy. The question that I have, though, and I think a lot of fans, like they've done all year, are thinking, man, I hope we get a heavy dose of A.J. I don't know that that's going to be the case. I hope so, too. But, you know, one of the things that I have constantly brought up is the fact that Matt LaFleur and um, Mike Pettin and this coaching staff really, really, really like guys that they can trust. That's very important for them is can I trust you? And in a game especially like this that is going to be seen, and, and, and listen, it could go one of two ways. They could view this as a playoff game. It's extremely important, in which case Aaron Jones gets the bulk of the carries. We just saw last week against Carolina, Aaron Jones had 20 carries. Now, this happened last year, too, which is kind of interesting and also kind of feeds into my point that we may not see as much A.J. Dillon as, as you or I would like, although it should be more than we've seen um, any other week, I would hope. Last year, toward the end of the year, we saw Aaron Jones start to get up into the 20s, which he never has. He had 18 carries against Detroit. That's the highest he's had all year until Carolina when he had 20. If we look back at um, 2019, he did have, again, in week two, 22 carries. Otherwise, it was 13, 10, 13, 19, 11, 12, 13, 8, 13, 13, 11, 16, 13. Then you get to week 16, same exact thing here. Well, I mean, technically last week was 15, but he had 23 carries against Minnesota, 25 against Detroit, 21 against Seattle, only 12 against San Francisco, but I think that was for different reasons. The point is, we know that, what, what's the whole point, right? We save Aaron Jones, we keep him fresh for the end of the season. We're now at the end of the season, we're seeing Aaron Jones get rack, you know, up to into the 20s in terms of his carries. I think they're looking at this as we kept him fresh so that we can unleash him at the end of the year. It's now the end of the year. It's time to unleash him. Again, there's the question of how do they view this Titans game. 
Obviously, they want to win. Obviously, it's important. But is this a game that you're going to trash Aaron Jones over? Or is this slightly less important than the Bears game? So we're going to kind of dial it back to 15-ish carries as opposed to 20. But then again, you look at the fact that Jamal's out and that they probably don't trust A.J. Dillon all that much. My guess is you're going to see more into the 20s for Mr. Aaron Jones. And then, you know, you look at Jamal. How many carries did Jamal have last week? He had one. One carry for six yards in the whole game. So if Jamal's getting one carry against Carolina, there's really no reason to expect A.J. Dillon to have 10, 12 carries in this game. He might, and I would be all for it. I'd be excited about it. But again, there's no reason to expect that. So just temper your expectations. If it happens, awesome. But it doesn't have to happen just because Jamal is hurt. So again, just kind of, you know, prepare yourself for that. Also should be noted, I guess, that Jamal Williams is doubtful. He's not officially out yet at this particular point in time. So all the more reason, if you're betting on it, to uh, dial back your bet. Speaking of betting, the uh, Green Bay Packers are three-point favorites. Um, I mean, I just, I don't know how to feel about this game. Maybe I'm getting up in my own head about, you know, the fact that we did struggle against Carolina, about, you know, what other people have said about, you know, they haven't beaten really any good teams with the exception of the Saints. Definitely worried, you know, that the Titans are trending in the right direction. As I mentioned, 40 points per game is what this Tennessee Titans um, offense has been putting up. But at the same time, you look at the power rankings, the Packers are consistently ahead of the Titans. You look at the Vegas odds, the Packers are consistently ahead of the Titans. There's a lot of things to be concerned about. And again, we overanalyze and, and are overly critical of our own team a lot of times. The fact of the matter is right now, according to just about everybody, and rightly so, I think, because as I went over the Packers, they are also trending in the right direction. This is a team that has consistently been in the 30s um, in terms of points scored all year, and the defense is now trending below 20. They are headed in the absolute right direction. And so as of right now, although there, there is no guarantee, there are no guarantees, and I think there is a big fear by everybody that you know, the Titans don't just beat the Packers, they annihilate the Packers. And, and not only do we have our own worry, but we have to deal with hearing the media say that they're not a playoff team. we got to deal with negative Packer fans coming out saying, see, I told you so, even though they've been predicting losses every week this year. Stopped clock syndrome. And so it's just it just gets to the point where you just don't want to deal with it. You know, you don't want to, you want there to be a win, you want to enjoy a win, but odds are it's either going to be a really close win, which nobody's going to feel good about, or a loss which obviously nobody's going to feel good about. And then we have to listen again to everybody saying, see, they're not a real playoff team. They're frauds. They're going to be one and done in the playoffs. And it's just, you know, but as I've been saying, we got to find ways to enjoy the season. And this is another game. These games are here for our entertainment. We have one of the best teams in all of football. That is a fact. There's no guarantee we beat the Titans, just like there's no guarantee the Titans beat the Packers. But we get another opportunity to watch a great Green Bay Packers football team go up against the Tennessee Titans. It is at home. It's going to be very cold December 27th at 7.30 at night. I don't know how much that's going to work to our advantage, considering they have the the perfect cold-weather team. It is a big, massive, physical football team. Not only do they have guys like Derrick Henry, but they got guys like A.J. Brown, Jonu Smith. Right? Everybody's just large and physical. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, this, this is really nothing more than, than an opportunity to beat a playoff team. It's, it's a good practice game for the playoffs, which by the way, the Packers are in the playoffs, no matter what happens. I don't want to downplay this game too much. And I certainly hope the Packers aren't overlooking it. I don't know why they would necessarily, but I guess I'm saying just don't get caught up in it. 
I've gotten real good recently at setting my phone down and really not looking at it. Occasionally I'll pick it up, whatever, but the enjoyment level is so much higher. The fact of the matter is this is a, a team that is not a good defense at all. Their defense has been worse than the Packers recently. Aaron Jones is, is not the number one running back recently. It's Derrick Henry, but he is the number two running back in, in the NFL. So the idea that they're going to shut down Aaron Jones, but we're going to get, you know, run all over. No, I, I think both teams have the advantage when we're talking about their running ability. 23rd net yards per attempt passing. They're not very good. They don't have a pass rush, which is a massive deficiency. If you want to stop the Packers offense, the best way to do it is to have a pass rush. If you don't have a pass rush and you're not forcing that ball out of his hand, forcing him to make decisions he doesn't want to make, you're in trouble. And by the way, I don't want to, I don't want to over um, estimate this, but I also don't want to underestimate the importance of the fact that Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator for the Titans. When you are that intimate with a football team, a locker room, you understand these guys and their quirks. You understand, for example, certain things that you really hope and pray that the other team doesn't do because it's going to cause us problems. You understand the weaknesses and the deficiencies of certain players. You understand when things failed, why they failed. From a, from a much better vantage point, because you're in the meetings with people saying, man, we got to figure out a way to overcome these issues. You can have defensive coordinators watch film and see a general correlation. Say, well, generally when this happens, they do a good job of stopping it. But it's a whole other thing to, to be the coach in the room saying, we don't know how to overcome this problem. When people do this, it really gives us fits. You know, my scheme and my this and my that, it's like it, it really struggles with the guys that we have when we try to do this and they do that. He had the, the, I mean, every single week, he's the offensive coordinator calling plays in practice against the Titans defense. He understands how to attack the Titans defense. I'm not saying that that's, that's a slam dunk, but there is a reason why players will go out and pick up a, a player that was on another team, right? You're playing the Bears and you go pick up a, a guy that the Bears just cut. Why? For insight. And how much does that player know compared to the team's offensive coordinator? I know this is a couple years removed, but it's largely the same team. Derrick Henry, the offensive line the tight ends for, for the most part. This is a clash of titans. It's just what it is. It's two very good football teams playing football on Sunday. It's going to be an entertaining game. We don't know who's going to win. The winner does not automatically win the Super Bowl, and the, the loser does not get eliminated from the playoffs. That's how people are going to make it out to be. They're going to be overly dramatic about it. It's two good football teams, and one of them is going to win, and one of them is going to lose. And from our perspective, we want to watch a good football game. We want to see continued growth. We want to know that this, this, this team in general isn't a fluke, but especially the defense. The defense has been trending in the right direction. If they can keep the rushing yards down, and especially if they can continue to keep the points low, right? The whole bend-don't-break thing isn't great because it tires them out at the end of the, the, the game. And that's where a large part of why we start to see this resurgence. If we can go ahead and get them off the field, that's, that's ideal. But largely, that's what this is. You want to see a win. You want to see continued growth, not regression, right? We're seeing some seeming regression from our defensive line. Kenny Clark, Zadarius, Preston, Rashawn. I mentioned how the last four weeks, Rashawn Gary is one of the lowest graded pass rushers in all of football right now. Stats are still fine. He's getting a ton of sacks, which, you know, you're willing to give a guy a pass on that when you're getting a ton of pressures. But it's, it's got to be better across the board. More, more consistency, right? As I said, not this, you know, once a game, I get these flashy sacks. No, I... Forget the sacks. I'm fine with zero sacks if you can bring pressure more consistently. Get that pressure rate up to 17%. I don't care if you get no sacks in this game. Play the run well. Do your job appropriately. Forget the sacks. I care about one stupid sack a game. Down-to-down down dominance. That's it. But otherwise, I mean, I mean that, that that's it. If, if guys don't show up, 
going to be a, a long day. If guys do show up, it's going to be a great game. The Packers are not a fluke. Don't let people tell you that. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in football. Devontae Adams is an elite wide receiver. Aaron Jones is an elite running back. David Bakhtiari is elite. Elton Jenkins is extremely good. Billy Turner is getting better every single week. Corey Lindsley, who could potentially be back this week, if not seemingly very soon, best center in football. Robert Tunyon, at least from a statistical standpoint, at least from a touchdown standpoint, dominant tight end. Arguably one of the better safety duos in football right now. Arguably one of the best cornerbacks in football right now. These aren't flukes. Yeah, but what about? Every team has whatabouts. This is a very good football team. End of conversation. If you can't appreciate the players on this team, find another hobby. This isn't for you. You're never going to be happy. Ever. Do I have to go back and start poking holes in the 2010 team? How about the 2011 team? How about the 90s Packers? You think I can't poke holes in that? Everybody was a pro bowler. Everybody was an all pro. Everybody was elite. Really? I don't think so. And just just the fact that this is being billed as the game that it is, which is a, a game between two dominant teams. That's what it is. You know, there, there is a, albeit small, but a potential chance that this is a Super Bowl matchup. We could be the Vikings. Would you rather that? Would you rather have the media fawn all over you and then miss the playoffs? The media can have their hype. I don't want it. A lot of good that does. But anyways, I got a lot of stuff to do. It's way, way later than it should be. It's 6 o'clock. I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Saturday. I hope you had a great Christmas. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.